The first thing that I thought of is why do we think that there was so many good things that happened? And I, I started feeling like, well, so many people poured so much into it. Like, how can you pour in all those hours, all that love, all that faith, all that prayer, and not expect to get something large out of it? And then I started thinking about how the Bible talks about measures. With the measure that you measure, it will be measured unto you. And the Bible talks about that in terms of judging others, but also talks about it in terms of works and helping and loving. And then I started thinking about this, this word that we hear all the time, karma. And I thought, I would like to just take a moment at the end of a serve home week to just recognize we proved and God proved this past week that there is no such thing as karma. That's not a real concept. Good things don't just happen to good people. God happens to everyone, whether you're good or not. These things didn't happen because we just happened to be at the right place at the right time. These things happened because God made them happen. The measure that we poured out, we didn't say, hey, God, we're going to do this. Hope you like it. We were on our knees. God, where should we be? We weren't supposed to be at that garden site ever. And so like weeks before the project, we were trying to be at the Brockton East Branch Library. They wanted us there. We were just falling to pieces. Couldn't get there because God didn't want us there ultimately. And so God led us to where he wanted to do something so that he could get the credit. So since we're there where he's ready to get going, we get to see the stuff that happens because we're in his, we're following, we're obedient. That's not karma. I want you to just think about that concept with me for one second. I'm going to read those scriptures that I just mentioned. If we believe that you're a good enough person, that eventually good things will happen to you, you're going to live a very disappointing life. And if you're waiting for bad people to get what they deserve, sometime in this life they do not. They live high. They live large. But then they die. And we can look like we're a great person doing lots of great things, but then we die. Ultimately, all of us comes face to face with God. It's not going to be whether we tried to be a good person or whether we were. It's going to be, did we respond to God's invitation when he said, follow me? When he says, I love you, what did that mean to us? And so for us in this week, we said, God, that means that we want to show love. And we want to give all that we have. We want to pour it out. And so I hope a lot of us feel exhausted now and empty in some way. But that satisfied empty, like you finished a race. The satisfied empty, like after a great meal. The satisfied feeling of just like a long day and then sitting down in the shade on the porch. Something like that. The good empty. The good spent. The good used. The good poured out. Because God was there. And the world wants to take God out of all the coincidences. The world would like to take God out of all the beautiful things that happen and say it's random. And so my, my first object here is this one. Matthew 7. I'm not going to have you turn there. If you want to turn to Matthew 25, that's where we're getting to. But Matthew 7, I will read to you. Matthew 7 says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. With the measure you use will be measured to you. It's this kind of measurement that the Bible's talking about, not a tape measure. It's not just how far can we get with God. It's what do you have and how much are you pouring out? There's the quality of what you have and the quantity. Both of those things are the measurement. And this week, the quality of what we saw was so beautiful. There was love on every site. And in the places where things were broken in our home that needed a lot of work, I didn't see any judgment. I saw servants. I saw people who responded to a need with love, not with looking down their nose at someone who can't get around the way we can. So what did we have to give? We had love and we had energy and we poured it out. At the end of the week, we're kind of wrestling with why do we feel so close to God now? And so often during our regular work days and work weeks, we don't feel close. And why? Think about how much you poured out. It's no surprise that it produced a lot. And think about what it was that you poured out. It's no surprise with the measure you use, the stuff that you have in you, and how much of it you're willing to pour out. That'll determine how much fruit gets produced. So again, this is not a works. If you fix 100 houses in a year or one house or no houses at all, we're talking about the love that you have in you that you show in every opportunity that you get. And I saw a lot of love poured out this week. No one kept any for themselves. But everybody left feeling full. Isn't that funny? Nobody saved any of their energy for themselves, but they left feeling like they had as much as they needed. It's because God fills this. And it's our job just to pour it out. We need to look at ourselves. This needs to be like an accountable moment. We were not closer to God this week than we are at any other time because he doesn't go anywhere. So if it feels like that, that's something to be aware of. But it's not because God went anywhere. It's because we lived differently. We lived differently this week. We poured out more. We prayed more this week. We were with other Christians more. If we could be with Christians 24 hours a day and eat dinner with them and have lunch with them and sit and pray and work and worship, that's what it would feel like. Hello, that's heaven. That's heaven. That's the definition of heaven. Feasts, family, worship, all day, every day, forever. And when we get even the littlest taste of it, we're like, that was the best thing ever. No kidding. <laughs> it's heaven. It's heaven on earth. But we're going to go back to the world and we're surrounded by non-Christians. And you're going to go into work and you had three minutes of prayer that morning. And you're going into work and no one's filling anything else up. So all you got is that little bit. And so, bloop, it's gone by 9.30. It's going to feel like that, I promise you. I've been on so many of these trips and so many of these moments. I love this moment. It's like my favorite moment in my life. We have to learn from it. Or we'll just become fools. Because two weeks from now, a month from now, we'll be back. Exactly where we started. Just recognize that the ingredients were different. You had something different in you this week. When we're too busy for fellowship, that's fine, but you can't have fellowship filled up if you're not getting any. They're too busy to prayer. Okay, but then you don't have any of the prayer filling you up. When we're not serving others, we're just serving ourselves, that's fine, but that part of love your neighbor that the Bible says is actually going to fill you up, you don't have it right now. Now, God still loves you. You don't lose your faith in that, but you produce just a tiny little bit. 
It's like a little bit of something came out and you made a little bit of something. This week we were all like gushing and overflowing because we pursued God into what he wanted to do it. We did it together and it was for his glory. Like that is the secret sauce. That's the meaning of life. That's joy. That's purpose. That's mission. That's what missional church is. That's what faith, it's like all, the, that's the gospel. God didn't wait for us to reach out to us and we didn't wait for the garden to be like really trimmed up and looking good before we stepped in. We stepped in, there was nothing there. And we don't know what the heck we're doing, but somehow something beautiful happened at the end of it. And we stepped into a home, but we don't know what we're doing. But somehow a bunch of largely unskilled laborers and faithful people were able to follow God into the right plan at the right time. Like it's this. But most of the time we're just going to feel like this. Because what fills us up is the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Church, God's Word, prayer. Like those are your ingredients and they have to be in. So what measure did we use this week? We had like dump trucks sized measurement this week and just poured out and poured out. But were you like me in the morning still eager to go back? Like I should not have been eager to go back because all that greenhouse did is just kick my butt for five days straight. I should have wanted to quit, but I was like, God put us, he's gonna somehow make it work. And Monday goes by and Tuesday goes by and Wednesday, it's still not really happening, but something we're making progress. And then Thursday, Boom, 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 boom. Friday, boom, 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 boom. Like just, you had to wait for it. But there was still a desire. And I think sometimes we want to see God do everything for us, fill us up, make it great, and then we're willing to move. And that's not how it works. He calls us into action. And this is the Mark example here. Mark 4 says the same thing. Now, this isn't about judgment, though. And this is why this is brilliant. We have to put Scripture together with Scripture. This is how you study. You don't need a pastor to study your Bible. You don't need a book. You don't need a YouTube. You don't need any of that stuff. You have to put scripture with scripture. And when you put those things together, it's, it's, it's a, a, a chemical reaction of wisdom. Because all the Bible is true. And then when you put things side by side, you're just like, oh, Father, you're speaking to me. And that's what teachers do. They put things side by side. So I'm going to do this side by side together for us. But when you read your word, you look up things in the concordance, you, you Google them and find all the verses on a topic, and then you read them one after the other, and you get the breadth of God's wisdom. But for the measurement, all right, Jesus at another time says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, so if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So now we're not talking about judgment anymore, are we? We're talking about being a light in the world. And the more light you shed, the more light will be given to you to share. It's like God expands our capacity. He fills us more and we give more. And this is what the world can misconstrue as karma. This impersonal force. No such thing as karma. There is God. And when we serve him, he brings in the increase. He fills us. He uses us. He does things. This was not an accidental week, a coincidental week. This was a God week. And I don't want to have an accidental, coincidental life hoping that if I'm nice, that somehow nice things will happen to me. 
I want a God who says, when you pray to me, God, I will happen to you. And whether that's good or bad or easy or hard, that's what we want. We want to be in God's presence. So what measure are we using for the good in our lives as well as for the judgment and the bad? You can kind of evaluate yourself sometimes by how people respond to you, right? If you're the kind of person that people want to come up and give a big hug, somehow you're showing something that's eliciting that response. If you're the kind of person that people are staying away from or shunning, it's like, well, what am I doing? I want to be pouring out love. And that's the measure that I want to have. I want to have Christ's love and I want to pour out more and more. And then that's when God steps in and says, oh, you're doing my kingdom work. Well, let's get to work. Now, what Jesus hints at here, he goes into in depth in Matthew 25. And that's what I'm going to read. And then we're going to close with communion together. The measurement is something that Jesus mentions when he talks about how Jesus is going to to respond to us at, at the end. On judgment day, on the end of all things, when we see him face to face. And this is something that we can learn from from this week. And this is something I want us to carry forward. So let's read it, let's think about it, and then we'll, we'll pray it forward. And we'll pray ourselves into this story this upcoming week. So Matthew 25, verse 14. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what church is like. This is what family of God, this is what it's like. It's like this. And this is what we've seen this week. This is what we need to hang on to. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So this is God who gives us things to use. He fills us, right? And we are his servants. We serve the Lord Almighty. But look at this. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents. To another he gave two, and to another he gave one, each according to his ability. We're not all gifted in the same ways. God does not give the same gifts to all his people. He gives different gifts to different people so that when you come together, everyone meets everyone's needs and you have all that you need, and so that no one person gets elevated above another. No pastor is supposed to be elevated above another person. No adult is supposed to be elevated above a child. We're all equal in God's eyes, but we're all different. So God gives us these different talents. We're supposed to look different. But then it says he went away. It's like God stepping back and saying, all right, what will you do with what I've given you? Verse 16. Now, he who had received the five talents went away at once. And this is huge amounts of money. So like the... The five talents could be like $2 million. The two talents could be like a uh, $1 million or $10 million, $2 million, $1 million. Put it in that sort of perspective for yourself. So the servants don't have any of this wealth. It's not theirs. They didn't earn it. They're servants, but they've been entrusted with great wealth. That's God to us. We don't deserve the Holy Spirit. We don't deserve the ability to lay hands on and give healing to people. We don't deserve the ability to be forgiven for our sins, but it's God's wealth. And out of his abundance, he takes some of his abundance and he gives it to a servant. And that's us. And that's what's happening here. So we take what's not ours. We take God, what he gives us, and we each do or don't do something with it. So five talents again, verse 16. He would receive the five talents, went at once and traded with them. He used them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So it's like putting the money into use and spending some and trading some and exchanging some and interest and like just working with what they had. Verse 18, but he who received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came. After a long time, this is the waiting game with the Lord. He lets us work at things and he comes back at the end and says, what have we learned? After a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more. Here, master, you've given me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Heaven. And he also, had, he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and my coming I should have at least received what was my own with interest. So take this talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This last servant is just afraid. He's afraid he's going to lose what he has. Sometimes we get afraid. The world is too tough. I'm going to lose this faith that I have. I'm going to lose my joy. I'm going to lose my light. I'm going to lose my love. I don't have enough. I don't know enough. I need to know the Bible more. I'm going to be better at praying. I I don't do enough. It's going to go away. What if God isn't pleased with me? I know that God's harsh. And he can see the heart. He's going to see all my sins. I'm worried. I'm afraid. And so because of that, they get locked and they get immobilized. And they never do a thing. And God's like, I didn't just give you something for you. I gave it for you to multiply. And if you think about the the talents, if one has five talents, where are those other five going to come from? The world. Jesus gives us five, gives us a talent, a gift, and a resource, and says, go win some for me from the world with what I've given you. All the extra comes from the world as we're using God's love, His grace, His gifts, the fruit of His Spirit. Do you see how that works? Everything that was returned in addition to the Master were not things that were His before. They were things that became His because His servants took what was His and used it. That's our job. Not to say, I need to do something to make God happy, or if I don't, God's going to be angry. God's not the angry God with us because Christ forgives So we're the servants now. We're not on the outside. You don't have to worry about losing your faith and losing your salvation. You need to stick to God. He will stick to you. He promises. So our job then is to say, who else can I bring in to the joy of the master? Father, it's not just me getting into heaven. Look at all these friends that have joined me along the way. Not I hid and I got to heaven safely and the craziness of the world didn't kill me along the way. That's not the win. That's survival mode. The win, the joy, the reward is, look at all that came with me along the way. And the only way it's ever going to happen is if we're like taking everything we've got and dumping it out to the people around us. Every one of us Christians, you're responsible to pour out on everyone around you so that they may be the extra five, the extra two. Don't be the one. Don't leave it at one. Don't just bring back God the same amount of spirit, the same amount of kingdom, the same amount of fruit that he gave you. He's like, we're supposed to multiply this stuff. This is supposed to grow. Use it. 
so this week is just proof to me. It's just so much proof that it's not about if you do something nice, something else nice will happen. This is proof that when you do God's work and you pour a lot into it, God will use every little bit of what we pour into it and turn it into something more. And then we'll be able to look and be like, wow, what the increase that God did. We did a little watering, a little planting. Like, I can't even like, these loaves and these fishes, the boat's sinking. Those are all the stories we see in the Gospels. And we saw it. We had a, we had a Bible week. This was a New Testament week. This was a Gospel week. This was a miracle week. We prayed for signs and wonders and power and we saw it. I just want you to realize why. And unless we keep having the same ingredients and pouring just as generously, we're not going to see the same results. But we should. Let's be the ones who recognize we've been given something beautiful. Let's invite others into it. Let me close in prayer. Father God, please speak to me, speak to each of us about what it looks like to keep pouring. And please keep filling, keep leading, keep guiding us. May we, may we recognize that this week has been your week. And may we seek to be your people in all the places we go. And may you show us the future Cheryls, the future champion schools. And maybe it'll be a coworker. Maybe it'll be a neighbor. Maybe it'll be a stranger. Maybe it'll be someone at the grocery store. Uh, maybe it'll be a relative. Maybe it'll be a child. Maybe it'll be a spouse. But show us what it looks like to pour the same amount of prayer and intentionality and effort and love and finances and time and blood, sweat, and tears into those relationships so that we might see the same amount of fruit produced because it is your kingdom and we are your servants working with the talents that you've entrusted us with. Help us to be faithful with them. Thank you for helping us be faithful this week, Father. Thank you for loving us and loving Cheryl, loving Jess, and loving Sue and the Champion School so well this past week. Please show us what it looks like to pursue this with the same passion moving forward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.